welcome to the Light Post Podcast, where we endeavor to cast light from God's word on the issues that impact our lives. I'm Pastor Jim Lowe, and I'm grateful to be here for another podcast. I hope you all are doing well, and I have something special I want to talk to you all about today. Now, this podcast, I don't know when you're listening to it, but this is recorded and scheduled to go on the last day of November. And as we know, November is a month of Thanksgiving is the time where we at this point have already had time with our families to be able to talk about the things that we are thankful for, the the, the great things that God has done for us, the things that we're, we're grateful to have, you know, our family, our friends, our loved ones and things like that. But also in doing so, it's something I've been talking about uh, the last month or so. And I actually I feel like God is pushing me to talk a little bit more about this, but You can't really have a month of giving thanks or a time of giving thanks without giving the one who has provided all of these things that same thanks as well, too. And so what I'm saying in all of this is that God is worthy of all of our praise. Every individual thing that you have that you are thankful for is because of God. God has blessed us with so much. And we ought to be offering thanks to him as well, too. I have a scripture here in Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, and this is the New King James Version. It says, Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Is God worthy of praise? Is there glory that is due God's name? This is what it is that we have that We should be thanking God for because he's good, because he's worthy, because there is glory that is due his name. And we are here to give it to him. In first Peter two and nine, there's a scripture says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, if you're listening, you are a chosen people. That's one thing. A royal priesthood. That's the second thing. A holy nation is the third thing. And a people belonging to God. Those are four different things that scripture says. But the second half of it says, it says that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, what I want to do is, is that I want to take the first part of that and the last part of that sentence. And what it says is this. It says, but you are a chosen people. And the last part says that you may declare the praises of him. Who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a chosen people that you may declare the praises. You are a chosen people that you may declare the praises. If you're listening to me, can you understand what I'm saying? The scripture is saying that you were chosen to praise. You were chosen. You were created. God created you to do a particular thing to praise. Let's get that in our minds that I was created to praise God. In a month of giving thanks, I am created to praise God. So I need to be praising God, not only just in this month, but in all circumstances, in all times, in all months. Something that we've been talking about. If you've had an opportunity to listen to it, please go back and listen to this entire series we've talked about with praise. You can check it out on YouTube. You could also find us on Facebook. Go back and listen to it because there's so many messages that we've talked about so far already. And there's so much stuff in there. And from the looks of it, from what God has given me, I think we're only scratching the surface of it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more in December as well, too. But I want to tell you a couple of things about praise, three things that are important about praise. The first one is this. Our praise brings God closer to us. 
Now, praise brings God closer to us. When we praise God, it brings him closer to us. I made a mention about this in uh, the message when I gave it is a song by William Murphy it says praise is what I do when I want to be close to you. That is one of the opening lines of the song. Put it out there to get it in your mind. One of the first thoughts that you have with this song that when I want to be close to God, I need to give him a praise. Praise is what I do when I want to be close to you. So if you hear me say that, if you want God close to you, what do you need to do? You need to praise him. There's a scripture here that said uh, in Psalm 22, verse three, it said, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. You are the praise of Israel. That same scripture in the New Century Version. I love the way that it was written right here. It says you sit as the Holy One. The praises of Israel are your throne. The scripture says that the praises, when they are offered up, they create a chair. For God to come and sit, for the Holy One to come and sit. Your praise, whenever it is that you offer that particular thing up, your praise creates a throne for God to come in and sit. Now, for the second thing, I want to set this up. This is in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start at verse 16. So I'm going to tell you a story here. And so once when we were going to the place of prayer, We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And verse 17 says, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. So let's stop right there and let's talk about what we just read. Paul and Silas and the rest of the group, they were headed to the place of prayer. They essentially were on their way to church. One of the things that we know from this is, is that they were headed to the place of prayer. They had a particular place that they were going. They were minding their own business. And what I also said in verse 16 was, was that when they were on their way to the place of prayer, they were met by a slave girl who had a spirit. Okay, so they were on their way to church, minding their own business, and they were met by somebody who began to antagonize them. They didn't meet the girl. The girl met them. They were met by the girl. They weren't looking for her. She was looking for them. And I made a point when I talked about this on that Sunday, that even when you're minding your own business, trouble can come looking for you. And let's think about that. How many times are you minding your own business and somebody wants to come and start something with you? You're sitting in your job. You're doing your job the way that you're supposed to. And somebody wants to come bring something to you. Somebody wants to start something with you. You're in your class. You're minding your own business. You are doing something that is not bothering anybody else. And somebody wants to come to you about something else. And what it also says here is that the scripture here, the girl in verse 17, she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, she's not talking to Paul and the group. It says that she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, the rest of the group. Now, who is she shouting to? These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She's not talking to Paul and Silas and the rest of the group. She's talking to the people as Paul and Silas are going about their business. I want you to know who these guys are. That's what she's doing. She's saying these particular things about 
them. And so it was another thing that kind of stuck out to me. And, and I felt like the Lord showed it to me as well, too. She didn't spend time talking to them. Why did she not spend time talking to them? Because they were headed to church. They were minding their own business. There was nothing that she was going to say to them to throw them off. So yet instead she decided to follow them to talk to everybody else about them. Now, what am I saying from all of that? It's a reminder for you as well, too, is that sometimes when people can't get anywhere talking to you, they'll talk to somebody else about you. Sometimes people realize that the words that they have towards you alone are not going to influence you any other kind of way, but they want to tell somebody else about you. They want to talk about you on social media. They want to send messages to the people who interact with you, for the people who know you. You might not pay them any attention, but they want to get you some kind of way. And they're going to try to find them. They're going to try to find a way to do so. So why was she following them? Now, let's talk real quick about what she was saying. These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, if you look at this on the surface, okay, this is true. Now, she didn't know them, but it was something about them that she was able to find this out. All right. These men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, it's kind of funny how God's presence speaks through you. Even when you're not talking to somebody, you know, if God is working through you, people can see that. When God's presence is on you, people can see that God is doing something through you. She could see it on them. She knew that they were servants of God. So that part of what she was saying was true. All right. But if you know a little bit more of the story, Paul is going to get angry with her in just a moment. And we're going to find out exactly why he gets mad with her, because although it looks like she's telling the truth, there's a small, subtle lie in here. And let's look at it. So she says, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. All right. Now, let's look at that second half of it. They're servants of the most high God, which is true. And they're telling you the way to be saved. Now, if you do a little bit of a word study on this right here, the Greek, the word the wasn't present here. So telling you the way to be saved, that wasn't there. So what the lady was actually saying, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you way to be saved. Or you could also say they're telling you a way to be saved or they are telling you ways to be saved. Not the way they're telling you a way they're telling you one of the other ways that you could be saved. And see, that's where the lie is. And why is there a lie there? Because Jesus said that he is the way, the truth and the life. And then nobody, nobody, no man, no woman, nobody gets to the father except through him. And this woman had a spirit on her that didn't like that. And so what does the Bible say about this lady? And what do we read already? She was a fortune teller. And apparently she was a good fortune teller. Remember, she met Paul and Silas when they arrived and she immediately knew that the spirit of God was on them. And so she followed them. Now, it also says that she earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And what she's been doing for a couple of days here. She's been following Paul and Silas, talking about them to other people. It was something about the spirit of God that was on these men that she didn't like. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this in just a second. So let's go to verse 18 and read some more. Verse 18 says that she kept this up for many days. 
many days. What is happening? She is she is following them, talking about them, telling a little bit of truth and a little bit of lie about these people. And so finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Okay, so again, what are we reading here? The woman is a fortune teller. I told you already that she made a great deal of money for her owners telling fortunes. She was very good at what she was doing. And we just read that she followed Paul for many days. Now, remember, if she is following Paul, She's not telling other people's fortunes. And if she's not telling other people's fortunes, she's not making money for the people who owned her. She's not doing it. She's spending all of her time chasing these, 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 this men, these men and their group and not making money the way that she's supposed to. And then what happens? Paul finally gets tired of it. And he calls the spirit out of the woman. The spirit leaves her. And guess what? Now she's not telling anybody's future anymore. She won't make any more money for her owners. And now not only were the owners days behind in terms of what they should have made, they also see that they don't have an opportunity to make any money anymore. I read it just a minute ago in verse 19, when the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. Now her owners care. And so in verse 20, what do we read here? It says they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us. They're unlawful for us Romans to practice and, and to accept. Now, wait a minute. They're throwing the city into an uproar. They're advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept the practice. Now, if we read all of this, Paul and Silas weren't saying anything. The only time they spoke up was when Paul turned around to cast this demon out of this person, to cast this spirit out of this person who was telling a lie on them. And so what happens in verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. Verse 23 says, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown in the prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24 says, upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, as a reminder here, the people, the people who have money, they have influence. They can influence those in authority. They can go and they can say things that are not true and the people who are in charge will believe them. They can influence the crowd around them. They're good talkers. They know how to rally people behind a cause. And so what happens here is that Paul and Silas were not given a fair trial. They weren't asked any questions. They were only convicted. They were stripped. They were beaten and they were thrown in jail and they were thrown in the inner cell of the jail. This is where you put the worst criminals. The worst of the worst. You know, like the, the small crimes, you put those people on the outside. But the ones who absolutely can't get out, the ones that the public has to be afraid of, those are the ones you put in the middle. And the jailer was commanded to guard them like the criminals they were. They were fastened by their feet, perhaps chained to the wall. Again, the inner cell. This is where the worst criminals go 
And apparently this is where they decided that Paul and Silas would be. So in verse 25, we were talking about praise. So here's where praise comes in. It says about midnight that night, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all of the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. So with all of that, what we see right here, as they began to praise, something happened. They were praying, singing hymns to God. The other prisoners were listening. And what did they say? Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and that once all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chain came loose. What is it saying right here for us? The second thing that praise does, our praise opens doors and it breaks chains. God is a God that responds to the praise that you give him. In your worst of times, and even as I'm reading this again right here, the same day that they were lied on, that they were tried, that they were stripped and they were beaten and thrown in jail. Midnight that night, they may not have been able to say much. They may have been in so much pain and it may have been difficult to get words out. But about midnight, they were not going to let the day go by without still giving God praise and praying to him and singing praise and hymns to him. And what happened? God responds to them. These men, I'm not going to say they had every you know, right not to say anything because that's not really true. But can't you imagine the position that they're in? The things that we go through on a daily basis and the lives that, that we live in and the, the troubles and, and the harsh things that happen to us on a daily basis. How do we feel about giving God praise? We might be a little slow to do so. But these men right here, they begin to do so. And God responded in the way that he did. And so, again, number two, our praise opens doors and breaks chains. Now, again, those two again, let's see here. The first one I'm scrolling back up on my notes is that our praise brings God closer to us. And the second one is, is that our praise opens doors and breaks chains. Now, for number three, I'll go ahead and give you that one up front here. Number three is this. Praise lifts us up when we are down. When we're feeling down, our praise can lift us up. There's a scripture in Psalm chapter 42, verse 5 and 6 in the New Living Translation. It says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now, if you've heard the messages it was something about the way that this was written that struck out to me. And it strikes me every single time that I read it because there's something extremely powerful in here. Why am I discouraged? The scripture says, why am I sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. So again, let's analyze this real fast. Why am I discouraged and why am I sad? The writer doesn't say we don't know what's going on in this person's heart. We don't know why they feel the way that they do, but we do know that they feel that way. And what's the answer? What does the, the psalmist say? I really believe it's David. And what does David say that he's going to do? He's going to put his hope in God and he will praise him again. And that word again means so much to me because again means it means that you are redoing something that you have done already before. The word again means that you have done that thing already. 
I will praise him again, again, meaning that they have praised him once already. You know, sometimes we're in a dark place and we might be able to say thanks and praise God, but we don't feel any better. We still feel like we're in that dark place. Let me tell you, based on this scripture right here, sometimes you need to praise him again. You need to do it again. And even if it doesn't help, David says three verses later in the same passage. Oh, God, my rock. This is a verse nine. I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief oppressed by my enemies? Verse 10 says their taunts break my bones and they scoff. Where is this God of yours? Now, before I read it, let me read nine again. Oh, God, my rock. I'm crying for you. Why have you forgotten me? Do some of you feel like God may have forgotten you? Do you feel like in a place where you might be praying and it feels like like, like God is not even hearing you. You have a Job situation where so many things are going so wrong right now. And you cry out to God. And you feel like you're alone. Why must I wander around in grief oppressed by my enemies? Oppressed by your enemies. And verse 10 says that the taunts that they say, the jokes that they make, the things that they say about you break my bones. And they scoff. Where is this God of yours? So they're not just attacking you. They are attacking the God you serve as well, too. But verse 11 sounds very familiar to what we just read in verse five just a second ago. Why am I discouraged? You have to ask yourself, why are you discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? It says I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. The psalmist is saying that even after giving praise to God, they still feel down. They still feel low. They still feel broken. And they don't have the, the answer that they're looking for just yet. The words of those who were speaking against them are tearing, tearing them apart, breaking their bones. So what does it say you do? It says you put your hope in God. And if you've already praised him, you praise him again. Something powerful in this. And I made a big deal out of this on that Sunday. We talked about it. If you're feeling discouraged, I got three things for you. If you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling really bad about wherever it is you are in life right now. Number one, put your trust in God. Put your trust in God. Number two, give him praise. And then number three is repeat. Why? Because David said, I'll praise him again. So you repeat the whole thing. Put your trust in God. Give him praise and then repeat it. And if you still feel down, put your trust in God. Give him praise and repeat it again. Why do these things work? Because no matter what circumstance that we go through, no matter how much of an inner jail we are, no matter how bad it is, and no matter how many words of other people break our bones, it still doesn't change how worthy God is. God is worthy in the good and the bad. And when you can praise God in the worst of times, that is when you can see God move. And God responds to that praise. Even if you have to praise him again, he will respond. And so remember, even during hard times, God is worthy of our praise. Hebrews 13 and 15 through Jesus. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And a sacrifice of praise means when it's difficult and when we don't feel like it. Paul and Silas had to offer a sacrifice of praise. 
and look what happened for them. And so three things our praise does, just as a reminder, our praise brings God closer to us. That's number one. Number two, our praise destroys chains and throws doors open. And number three, praise lifts us up when we are down. And the last thing that I just shared with you, if you're feeling discouraged, three things you can do. Number one, put your trust in God. Number two, give him praise. And then number three, start over. Repeat. So I hope this was a blessing to you. I want to thank you for joining us on another episode of the Light Post podcast. It's a ministry of the Guiding Light Church. And for other messages and resources, connect with us online at guidinglight.org, Guiding Light Church on Facebook, or Guiding Light Church TV on YouTube. Thank you all for spending some time with me. I pray it was a blessing. If it is, please let somebody know about it. Your praise is a weapon. And that, as I said beforehand, we're getting ready to go into Sunday. This coming Sunday is going to be the beginning of December 2023. And as of right now, it looks like the Lord has another message on praise that we're going to talk about. I can't wait to share it with you. And I hope you can tune in and see that with us as well. So until next time, I'm Pastor Jim. Y'all take care. God bless. Talk to you soon. <music>